God is good. God is good to all you watching online. Hey, love you. Hope you come to church soon. If you're sick, we call you healed in Jesus' name. You'll be in the house of God soon. Psalm 23. When you're there, just say amen to me. Oh, thank you for your word. All right. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Lord God, that you have brought us all here for a reason. God, that our ears are open, our hearts are ready to receive from you. Father, we just thank you, God. You love us so much. You care about every area of our lives. And we are going to leave here changed in Jesus' name. And we all agree and say amen. Psalm 23 says, you prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. The title of my message today is called The Table Matters. Tell your neighbor that the table matters. Tell your other neighbor God cares about the table. I'm going to prove it in the word. I believe this is going to bless you. Are you all ready? So listen, God prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. The table, the table, the table. For weeks at my house, I would walk by my dining room that I never use. Am I by myself in this? You never use your dining room. It's just sitting there. There's a china cabinet empty. There's a table with 10 chairs around this table. We never use that area. And I'm walking by the dining room, and the Lord is prompting me, telling my heart, you need to buy china and have dinner in the, in the, in the, in the dining room. And I'm ignoring this. Like, why, why, Lord, would this have any significance to my life? Third time I walk by, again, I hear it three times now. God's saying, you need to have dinner in the dining room, and you need to get china cabinets in your china. And I'm thinking, why? What is, there's no spiritual significance to that. Who cares? I'm busy enough. I'm a kitchen type of person. Can I get an amen? I cook in the kitchen. I eat in the kitchen. It's very convenient. It's right there. We have a table there. I don't want to do the extras. Amen. And so finally, a fourth time I walk by, and I hear the Lord tell my heart, you need to have dinner in the table. And I'm thinking, there's no way. My kids are never here. I'm making all these excuses. So time goes on. We ignore that. Am I the only one that ignores that? You know, I ignore that. And I go to a women's conference, and there's a woman of God there that does this teaching that literally changed my life. Her name is Debbie Titus, and she taught a message called The Table Experience. And she begins to tell us, women in there, about the purpose and the power of the table, and how Jesus shows up at the table, and that he cares about us dining together and eating together. And I am amazed because I know what God told me weeks prior. And here it is, this 70-year-old, beautiful, blonde woman telling us that she doesn't care how millennials think today, we still need to come to the table. And she begins to say that, listen, the table matters. So, so when I heard this message, it changed me and impacted me so much that I went out and bought dishes, y'all. Can I come on? Because one thing this woman of God said, she said, how dare you put the food that God gave you on paper plates? The whole church. I felt so bad because that's me all day. I don't know when the last time I washed a dish. Come on, somebody. Cups and plates. Come on, solo. Come on, hey. 
So anyway, I'm feeling, oh, God, she's right. God gives us this food. We should put it on something beautiful. And she goes on and on and on about the table experience. And I'm going to share this with you. My pastor asked me to do it because I talk about it all the time. It's near and dear to my heart. So I'm going to share what I've learned. Now, as you study the word of God, God gives you more revelation. So I'm just telling you, what you're going to hear me preach, God gave to me. But the subject matter and the whole idea of it was not mine. Can I get an amen? I'm not going to take someone's wonderful idea. Praise the Lord. So it's Debbie Titus if you want to look her up. But the table matters to God. Okay, so here it is. The table. What's the purpose of the table? The table is a place where people come together, where they grow in their relationship. It's a place where you have conversations. It's a place where memories are made. Uh, for in our house, the table is a place where we tell stories over and over again. Am I by myself? You, it, you're testifying is what you're doing. It doesn't seem like a testimony service because there's no microphone. But when you talk about the God's goodness and what God did and reminding people around your table, reminiscing on the goodness of God, you actually invite the presence of the Lord into that place. The word of God says where two or three are there in my name, there, there I am. And so anytime you're talking about Jesus Christ with two or three, bam, he shows up. In my family, there's eight of us sitting around the table, and we'll talk about the things of God, and we'll talk about serious things, but God will somehow show up. It could be politics, it could be sports, someone could have gotten in trouble. Can I get an amen? But the Lord Jesus will be talked about because that's who we are. That's how God created us. And if God created us to have relationships and to talk, it was God's idea to have the table. The table matters to God. The purpose of it is that we want to make sure that we are always spending time with one another. God cares about relationships more than we realize, people of God. So at the table, what do we do? What do we do? We, we taste, right? We're eating at the table. Doesn't the word tell us in Psalm 34, 8 to taste and see that the Lord is good? It doesn't say see first, but it says taste first. And isn't there, it, listen, I don't know about you, but I can remember the first time I tasted of God's goodness. And that was a taste that I wanted to taste over and over and over again. Nothing can satisfy you more than the goodness of God. In Psalm 119 and 103, the word of God says this, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey in my mouth. Can I get an amen? When you're studying the word of God around the table and talking about God's word, it's sweet to swallow. Come on, somebody. It tastes good. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Try saying that 15 times and tell me it doesn't become sweet in your mouth. To know that we serve a God that guards us and protects us and provides for us. You shall not be in want. You shall not have lack. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. It's sweet like honey in my mouth. And see, listen, don't get it twisted. The table is not for what some of you may use it for, praise the Lord. First Peter 2, 1 and 5, it says this. First Peter 2, 1 and 5 says, Therefore, laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby, if indeed you've tasted of the Lord's graciousness. In other words, if you've tasted of God's goodness, it should be all malice and all evil and all backbiting. The table's not for you to sit and gossip is what I'm trying to say. Praise the Lord. It's easy for us before we knew Jesus is that's where you went. You went to the table to talk about people. Come on, somebody. And it was fun at around the table. Oh, come on. I can remember my grandma I loved so much. I, I, I was a young girl, and I didn't understand the relationship with Jesus yet. But my favorite part of Sunday was not going to church. My favorite part of Sunday was going home to talk about the people at church. 
I'm being honest, I couldn't wait. And I would look for people that I thought might have a story, and I'd be at that table good and ready to hear all about it. Come on. And I enjoyed it, and that's what the flesh does, okay? But the word says here, it says that if you have tasted of Lord's goodness or his graciousness, that should not be going on around the table. Good talk, positive talk, uplifting, building should be happening when you are around the table. You know, of course, Proverbs 22 and 6 says, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart. I'll be glad for that, for that scripture, right? I love when pastor said last week that they might drift, but they won't depart. Isn't that a blessing? But we train up our child at the table. That's where you learn your manners. Don't eat with your mouth open. Get your elbows off the table. Wait your turn. Stop being greedy. Come on, anybody? Come on, that's what you're supposed to do. You know, wait, don't overtalk people. You know, wait until your daddy served before you eat. Oh, maybe that's just at my house. Listen, no one's eating until daddy starts eating. I'm sorry. Okay, I guess I'm old school. Feed to daddy first. Everybody can get the rest. Praise the Lord. That's rules. There's rules of regulation at the house. You talk about things at the house. You don't leave unless you're excused. Oh, come on, y'all. Maybe that's the problem. Praise the Lord. Sharing a meal is an excuse to catch up and talk with each other. Do you know that Americans very rarely take time out to just sit down and enjoy one another? We work 220 hours more than the average European in our country. We are working while it's day. Come on. We like to work. We don't get time off. Have you ever had any European friends? When they go on vacation, they take a holiday. They take four weeks off at one time. In America, we got five days, and we're like, woo. But they take a month off. How about in some countries, like in Spain, they take naps during the day. <laughs> Gosh, I wish we would adopt that in our country. Praise the Lord. It's siesta. We'll be back at two, three, you know. No, we work in America, so it's very rare that we get to sit down and speak of God's goodness. Listen to this, Ecclesiastes 2 and 24 says this, Nothing is better than a man that he should eat and drink, and that he should, his soul should enjoy the good of his labor. This also I saw was from the hand of the Lord. The book is saying that there's nothing better than to work all week, sit down and have a good meal and enjoy yourself. You deserve to enjoy. You work too hard, woman of God, man of God. You should sit down and enjoy yourself. I'm a, you should sit down and enjoy yourself. It speaks of God's goodness. He gave you the job. He gave you the paycheck. He gave you the money. He gave you the groceries. Have a seat with your family and enjoy what God's done. Oh, man, you'll feel better about it. You'll feel better about it. It's God's goodness. It's God's good. Sitting around the table, eating God, the food that God gave you, it's his goodness. God cares about the table. Tell your neighbor God cares about the table. Anybody here remember when it used to be dinner time? Please don't let me be the only one. It was dinner time. Like 5, 6 o'clock, no matter what was happening, you better be home for dinner. And you better sit down and have a seat and get something to eat. And if your friends come over, you open the door and say, we're having dinner. Shut the door, let them wait outside on the fence until you're done with dinner. Parents used to care about getting their family together around a table and eating. God, you, listen, I remember my grandma used to do it during the summer. Grandma B would get us all rounded up and tell us in the morning at 9 o'clock, dinner's at 5. In other words, don't you make no plans, don't go nowhere. You're going to be home for dinner. TV's off, and you better just make up a conversation. Come on, somebody. Dinner time mattered. Do you realize that the American today, only one out of every five of you here eat a meal in the car five times a week? 
No, one, no one's going to own that one. Praise the Lord. Five times a week. How about this? Um, Americans are missing out on meaningful moments with their families. Now, we're a family church, okay? And I know my kids are older and they've grown up, but for those that have little ones, your family dinners matter. Not eating together has actually negative effects on us physically and psychologically. This is proven by the Columbia University from 2014. They did a research on having dinner, y'all. Remember I told you the table matters. Do you know this, that, that parents that eat with their children five times a day or a week have less trouble with drugs and alcohol, are healthier, and do better in school? Proven fact, 40% better just by having dinner five times a week. And see, the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy has come up with little tricky ways to pull us out of what God has designed for us to have relationship and fellowship at the table. I wonder if the breakdown of the family has more to do with the table than what we would actually in, uh, embrace or realize. Okay, listen, fast food was introduced to us in this country in 1921. White Castle was the first. You thought it was McDonald's. It was White Castle. Oh, White Castle in the house? I've yet to get there. Never had one. Am I missing out? All right. Well, they caused the breakdown of the nation. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. In 1921, that was the first fast food restaurant that started a wave in our society. And then TVs were in most homes by 1947. And remember, y'all, the TV dinner and the little tray that you'd put the little tinfoil tray in the oven? Food was nasty as all get out. But you would love that TV dinner, right? Then you would put it on a TV table, and then everyone's watching TV together. But now we have an individual table. We're not around the table. We have our own individual tables. And then do you realize that in 1960 to 1980, divorce rates doubled? I wonder if it's because we were no longer talking at the table. We weren't communicating at the table. I know at our house, if we have issues, it's coming out at the table. And you husbands and wives are having problems, guarantee you haven't had a dinner together in a minute. Sit down somewhere and talk about it. Matter of fact, go in public so you don't go off. <laughs> Amen. I've had those moments, I babe, we got to meet and talk. Oh, where? Somewhere in public. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. So here is the multiply. And then in the 1980s, that's when the latchkey kid came to be. I was a latchkey kid. Any latchkey kids in the house? Latchkey basically meant the daddy's gone because they're divorced, and basically you take care of yourself because your mama's working, and you just raise yourself. All right? That was me. I was a latchkey kid. They had a title for it, and that was starting in the 80s and on. And so there I am. There's no, there's no fellowship at the table because mama's working, daddy's gone, and we're just doing our own thing. And now look what's happened to us, people of God. The enemy has a brand-new tactic. A brand new way to keep us away from the table or communicating at the table. And you know what I'm about to talk about. How many times have you been in a restaurant and you'll see an entire family sitting around a table and everybody is on their phone? The 5-year-old, the 8-year-old, the 10-year-old, the, the mama and the daddy doing their own little thing with the fingers, just going with the fingers, having the, no one saying nothing, but just going with the whole dinner until their food arrives. And then when their food arrives, they're right back on it. With their it's a, the, the, the devices. We're using devices more than talking to each other. And I'm telling you, you might not believe it, but it is the plan of the enemy to keep relationship and fellowship away from the table. Corinthians 3.11, it says, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are ignorant of his devices. Oh, please don't think that's by accident, people of God. Listen, devices divide us. 
I'll say that again, devices divide us. Devices divide us. Put the phone down, look each other in the eye, have a conversation, talk about things that matter, talk about things that bother you, talk about things you're hoping for, talk about your dreams, ask your kid how they're doing, ask your kid what they're learning, get in their life and talk about Jesus because if he's in your heart, he will manifest in that conversation. So listen, the table matters, the table matters. So here it is, why does the table matter to God? I'm glad you asked. Here's my first point, people of God. The table speaks as a place of God's provision. The table is, speaks of a, the place of God's provision. Remember, you're sitting around the table, you're having a meal at the table, God obviously provided food for you at the table. God cares about the table. In the book of Psalm 78, verse one through 25, it says this, it's, and I'm going to read it quickly, people of God. It says, give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable, and I will utter dark sayings of old. We will not hide them from our children. I love that, meaning that, listen, we're going to talk about the things of God, and we're not going to hide them from our kids. Amen. And then it goes on, of course, in verse 5, for he established a testimony in Jacob, he appointed a law in Israel, and we'll go on down to this next one, verse 7, why? That they may set their hope in God and not forget the works of God. Do not forget the works of God. And then it goes down here to verse 12, it says, marvelous things he did in the sight of our fathers. In the land of Egypt, in the field of Zoan, he divided the sea and caused them to pass through. Remember the Red Sea? They're talking about the Red Sea experience. Divide the sea, let them to pass through. And he made the water stand up like a heap. And in the daytime, he led them with a cloud, and cloud by day and fire by night. Come on, you know the stories in the Old Testament, right? Talking about all the good things God has done. Then he split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink in abundance and caused rivers to run down. When they're in the wilderness and it's a drought, God is providing. But then verse 17 says this. They sinned even more against him by rebellion by rebelling against the Most High in the wilderness. And they tested God in their heart by asking for the food of their fancy. And they said, can God prepare a table in the wilderness? Now here it is, the people, the children of Egypt, went through a horrible situation. God delivered them from bondage. They're walking around. God had provided and did things for them, miraculous things for them. And they're upset about dinner. What's wrong with us people of God? Please do not act like you do not do the same thing today. God does miracles in your life, miraculous things. He made a way out of no way. He got to the house you didn't think you could afford. He got to the car you didn't think you could drive. He, get, he let you get the job you weren't qualified for. And you're asking, I don't know, God, can you provide a table in the wilderness? The devil is a lie. God can prepare a table in any circumstance that you are facing, any challenge you may be in. God can still make a table out of nothing to provide for you. And here's the thing about God. Remember I said he cares about the table. If you look in verse 21 in the scripture, verse 21, it says the Lord heard their question and was furious. God said, how dare you ask me if I could do the most common thing for you. I split the rock, I part the sea, and you don't think I can give you a table with some food? Are you kidding me, God says? And so God then provides food from heaven and manna and the bread and all that stuff was coming down. And isn't God so good to us when we make a mad, he still blesses us. But that matters, God cares about the table. He was offended at the question. 
And I think some of us here know that we could say, God, forgive us for asking a silly question, and we're sorry for offending you. Of course you will provide a table in the wilderness. We might not be in the wilderness like the Egyptians, but we have our own personal wildernesses. Can I get an amen? I can remember there was a time in my life where we just did not have money. It wasn't that we weren't working, but we were tithing and we were good givers, but we just didn't have enough money, and we realized we just had too many kids. Praise the Lord. You know. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a matter of mathematics. We didn't, we just had too many kids, couldn't afford them, okay? And I can remember giving my kids lunch money and having enough gas money to get to work, but had nothing at work for food, just didn't, didn't have any money, and just be going to work by faith. Or how about this? I'm just going to fast, praise the Lord. I'm going to build up my faith and fast today. But boy, I tell you, wasn't it a blessing when you showed up at work and that coworker you couldn't stand had a birthday party? And it was a potluck. Come on, somebody. Come on. And you saw that table in the hallway spread of all kinds of goodness, and you said, Shundai, won't he do it? He prepared a table in the presence of my enemies. Come on, give God praise for that. He prepares a table. I thank God that he can prepare a table for our enemies, for us. Come on, somebody. I told her happy birthday, too. <laughs> happy birthday. <laughs> so the table is a place of provision. Number two, the table is a place of blessing. The table is a place of blessing. Second Samuel 9, we find David. David, of course, pastor of our favorite character in the Bible, favorite man of God. He's in the Bible, and he was uh, Jonathan's best friend. Jonathan was Saul's son. Of course, Saul hated David, pushed him away. Jonathan tried to protect him. Long story short, Saul and Jonathan end up being dead, and David's hearing about it, and he's very upset that his best friend has died. He's upset that Saul had died. Gosh, David was a man after God's heart. Most of us would be like, yes, but he was sad. And so he goes back to the kingdom of Saul, and he says, is there anybody left in the house of Saul that I can bless? Is there anybody that I can bless? Isn't that wonderful? Oh, God, he's so good. And Mephibosheth, Jonathan's lame son, was there. And they brought him to David, and David says, listen, from this day forward, you will eat at my table. Now, he didn't say you'll live in my kingdom. He didn't say you'll get your own castle. He didn't say you'll get some women or some money. He said, you will sit at my table. See, the table speaks of blessing. The table speaks of God's goodness. The table speaks of God's provision. The table speaks of God saying that I'm going to take care of you. You don't have to worry about any of your basic needs another day in your life. And reason, listen to this, people of God, we belong to the kingdom. Our father is a king. We are sons and daughters. We are kings and queens. I know it doesn't say queens in the Bible, but every time I see a king, I put a Q-U-E-E -E in there because I'm a woman of God and I know who I belong to. I am royalty. I should be walking around with a crown on my head. I belong to my daddy, the father who owns everything. I know who I am. And I know that Jesus has said, you are allowed to sit at the table. Woman of God, you can sit at the king's table. Come on, somebody. He's good. He's good. And the king said, you will sit with me all the days of your life. And matter of fact, not just Mephibosheth, he was lame in his feet. He couldn't walk, but he was making babies. Come on, somebody. Woo, <laughs> just say, God can do anything. Amen. He, the word of God says he had a son. And the son was at the table. So listen, God's blessing is generational. Mephibosheth 
was just a descendant was blessed. The son was blessed. Their son was blessed. Listen, I'm sick and tired of hearing about generational curses. We need to talk about the blessing of God that's on our life. If you are in the king's kingdom right now, your children and your children's children and your children's children's children and your children's 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 children and your children's 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 children will be blessed all the days of their life in the name of Jesus. Yes! I can stand on that promise and know that because I came to the table, my daughter came to the table, my son came to the table, my grandson's at the table, my great-great-grandson's at the table, my great-great-great-great-great-grandson who's somewhere in heaven is at the table! It can't be stopped, people of God. It can't, the devil can't stop it. Satan can't stop it. The gates of hell will not prevail. You and your children's children shall be blessed. Come on and give God praise. He's worthy. You and your children's children shall be blessed. The table is a place of blessing. My third point, the table is a place of connection. It's a place of connection. You, you realize Jesus connected with people at the table. You know that, right? Um, Matthew 9 and 10 says, Now it happened as Jesus was at the table in the house. Behold, many tax collectors and sinners came to sit down with him and his disciples. Jesus sitting at the table with sinners. Luke 15, 1 and 3 says this. It says, Then all the tax collectors and sinners drew near to him. Oh, God. All the sinners drew near to him. And the Pharisees, the church leaders, the pastors, the bishops, the popes, come on somebody. They said, this man receives sinners and eats with them. He sits at the table with sinners. The religious people were upset, disturbed, angered that Jesus sat with sinners. Do you all see why now God had to put this operation in motion? Why God had to get himself in the earth here to save us? What is wrong with us? Why would we get mad at Jesus trying to fix the sick? As a church leader, I want to see sick people get healed. But these people were so up and puffed up in themselves and so holy and floating on holy ground that they didn't want nobody to know Jesus but them. And they didn't even know him. They said this man sits with sinners. They should have said the Messiah, but they said this man sits with sinners. This man is connecting with those who need him the most. This man receives sinners. Then he braces, he accepts sinners. Do you realize that our Jesus, our God, was called a glutton and was called a drunkard? He had a reputation, falsely accused of a drunkard and a glutton. A glutton who ate too much and a drunkard who drank too much. Wanna know why? Because that's what he did, connecting. He was sitting with the people, eating and drinking. Jesus was at the bar. The, okay, if I would not think you're a drunkard lest I saw you at the bar. Come on, people, just imagine with me. Jesus is at the bar, he's at Old Country Buffet, killing it at the buffet. <laughs> of course he was not sinning but it appeared to the people as though he was participating because he was trying to get people to know about him I cried at my table when I studied this 
because there's nothing worse to be falsely accused. Can I get an amen? And Jesus was called a drunkard and a glutton, and all he was trying to do was to get sick people well and to let people know that they're accepted and that they're loved and that they belong to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But you realize accepting Jesus is a choice. The table of Lord is a choice. Um, you know, the word of God says that he is the bread of life. Can I get an amen? Right? Jesus is the bread of life, right? Um, have you ever wondered why you go to a restaurant, the first thing they serve you is bread? Please don't think it's by accident. The Lord is saying, will you please remember me? That when you're at this table, the first thing they give you is some bread. Because he is the bread of life. But listen, yes he is. But let me tell you this, bread is a choice. Because if you're dieting like me, praise God, you know you can't touch the bread basket. But it smells so good and it looks so soft, it looks so warm. My God, never you just want to take it apart and just grab it. Come on, somebody. You want to get a piece of the bread. And the bread is there and the bread is good and the bread is hot and the bread is so good with butter. Come on, Jesus, Lord. And it's so good. But bread is a choice. We all chose to participate and take the bread. There are some that have not. They've passed on the bread. They don't see the bread as important. They don't see the bread as significant. They don't want the bread to ruin their flesh. You know, you eat too much, you ruin your meal, right? If you get too much bread in your, in your spirit, it will ruin your sin. Oh, oh, it will. Oh, come on, come on. You remember, when you, remember when you started eating the bread of life and the sin just wasn't as fun? <laughs> remember you were convicted? Remember you felt bad? It's because you started eating the bread of life. People pass on the bread all the time, but bread is a choice. And when you eat the bread, you begin to have life. You begin to know the Lord. You begin to change who you are. Bread is a choice. 1 Corinthians 10, 21 through 22. In 1 Corinthians 10, 21, 22, it says this. You cannot drink from the cup of the Lord and from the cup of demons. You cannot partake of the Lord's table and the table of demons. Oh, now the rubber's hitting the road. Come on, somebody. Now we're getting away from that seeker-friendly teaching. It's the truth, y'all. You can't have both. At some point, you got to make a choice. I understand God's grace endures, his mercy endures forever. God is patient with us. God knows our thoughts from afar off. We all need Jesus. He doesn't throw us away. But at some point in your life, you have to choose which table are you going to have a seat at. Amen. It's either this or that. It's black or white. There is no gray. Oh, come on, somebody. Either you're at the table of the Lord or at the table of demons. Come on. And at some point, you got to say, God, you know what? I've been at the table of demons. And at the table of demons, I end up drunk and hungover. And I'm sitting with people I don't know or remember. I get my heart broken. I'm on drugs. I'm losing my job. I don't have enough. I'm sick of being at the demon table. But if I go to the Lord's table, there is beauty for ashes. There is joy for pain. There is more than enough. There is provision. There is protection. There is divine favor. I think I'm going to stay at the table of the Lord. Come on, church. Yes, yes, yes. You get sick of looking, being at the broken down demon table. If I was good for a minute, but you get tired of the legs all off and off balance and people all unstable in your life and people say that they'll be with you and you look and you're all by yourself. But at the Lord's table, there is a stability that comes with Jesus Christ. There is relationship that comes with Jesus Christ. There is steadfastness that comes with Jesus Christ. You can't be at both because God's jealous. 
Jealousy means the fear of being replaced. Not that God wants something from you. What can God get from us? Nothing. But he doesn't want anything to replace him. And he knows that that other table can replace him. But he says, no, choose my table. Stay at my table. Sit at my table. Tell your neighbor the table is a choice. And Luke 14, 15 through 24. Luke 14, 15 through 24. I hope y'all going to choose the right one, yeah? All right, praise the Lord. It says this. It says, now... When one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, Jesus, blessed is he who will eat the bread in the kingdom of God. Praise the Lord. There will be bread in the kingdom. I'm excited about it. I hope it's croissants. Hallelujah. Okay. <laughs> I miss bread, y'all. I do. Help me, Father. Thank you. Amen. Um, then verse 16 says this. Then he said to him, a certain man. This is Jesus giving a parable, as he always does, so we can understand his complex mind. Jesus says, a certain man gave a great supper and invited many and sent a servant at supper time to say who was invited, come for everything's ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground. I got to go see about it. I can't go to the dinner. The third one said, I brought five oxen and I have to test them out. So I need to be excused. And the third person said, you know what? I got married. Therefore, I can't come. Now, can I just pause there and say, if you got married, you absolutely should come to the king's table. Come on, somebody. You need it more than ever. Come on, y'all. More than ever. But they gave excuses, the word of the Lord says. Gave excuses. So then the servant went back to the master, talking about the parable, and says, listen, everybody has excuses. And the master said, the, the Jesus said, the master got angry and said, go out in the street and the lanes in the city and get the poor and the maimed and the blind, basically the people that nobody wants, the people that don't want, that aren't special, go get them and bring them to my banquet that I prepared for them. And the servant goes back and says, there's still room. And then Jesus, the master says, go to the highways and the hedges and compel them to come to my house, okay? And then it says this in verse 24, Luke 14, 24 says, for I say to you that none of those men who were invited to taste my supper. I say to you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. Jesus ends it with all those people I invited, they're not going to sit at the table with me because they rejected me. They're not going to taste what I prepared for them because they had too much going on in their world. The first one just bought some land. That's self-gain. Work in their own business. A realtor makes money, right? That person said, oh, no, I'm working this deal. I cannot come to you, Jesus. The next one says, I just bought some oxen, which I guess people collected oxen back in the day. Basically, it was a hobby. I'm working on my motorcycle. I'm working on my car. Come on, you know people like that. You invite to church and something else is going on. Can't do it. The last one, I can't go. I got married. My family's in the way. Sunday's the only day we can rest for my family. Are you kidding me? You should bring your entire family to church. Y'all need Jesus. Stop making excuses. Come into the house of God so you can eat at the table. And Jesus, it's scary to say that none of them will taste it. Isn't that scary, y'all? That those people that make excuses will not be able to sit at the table. So listen, the table, the table, my last point, the table is a place of worship. The table is a place of worship. The table is a place of worship. In the book of John, you all know the story. You've got Jesus sitting at the table, reclining the word of God says, with Lazarus. Remember Lazarus? Remember he died? Remember he came back to life? He's back to life at this point, and they're sitting at the table talking about it. And I can imagine them reminiscing on how it happened. They're, Martha and Mary are like, you know, Jesus, we didn't think you were going to show up. You know, we didn't. You know, he was, he, it was three days, Jesus, and, you know, 
But thank God you can't, you know, could you imagine? We, you know, he was stinking, Jesus. Oh, girl, yes. And Lazarus was like, I'm stinking, oh, Lazarus. You were smelling up the whole town. But Jesus came, and I'm telling you, he, we all cried. He cried, but he called your name, and he had to call only your name to come, because if not, everybody would come forth, and he called your name. And you know what? I'm so thankful my brother is here alive today. Jesus, thank you for saving my brother. Thank you for resurrecting him from the dead. They're talking about it. Can you just imagine them reminiscing on what Jesus did, and Lazarus cracking up, like, yeah, the clothes, those mummy clothes were hard to come out of, you know. And they're laughing and talking and having a good time, and they start to think about God's goodness and how God is a miraculous working God. He's a miracle working God. And Mary gets so worked up that she gets her jar of oil, breaks it, and starts to anoint the feet of Jesus. Because when you sit around and talk about God's goodness long enough, the Spirit will compel you to worship God. It will draw you to worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You will feel like, God, I love you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Your family should hear you just bust out in a thank you, God, because he's so good to you. Come on, church. He's raised us all from the dead. Sitting around talking about it. When you raised him from the dead, Jesus, I didn't think you were going to hear me. Jesus, I tried to kill myself at 14 twice, but somehow you had your hand on me. You would not let me die, and you raised me from the dead. That should make you get excited to where you say, Father, I worship you when I praise you, and there is none like you, when I thank you that you have a purpose and a plan for my life. And God, I will serve you all the days of my life, and I welcome you in this place, God. You alone are worthy to be praised. You are my king. You are my God. You are my Messiah. You are the king of kings, and you are the Lord of lords, and I love you. You, God, for what you've done for me. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, God. I worship you, Father, that you saw fit that I was able to sit with you at the table. It's a, it's a place of worship and it was filled with fragrant oil. And us today sitting around, you can still have that fragrant oil come in your house when you worship Jesus. How many of you know he'll show up? Yes, he will. He'll show up change the entire atmosphere of your home when you talk about him at the table. The table matters to God so much that what do you think the last thing Jesus did before he was crucified for us? He invited his disciples, even the one who betrayed him, to dinner, to sit at the table. Last supper was at the table. Do you see how God, what God is doing? That God is saying, the table matters to me. And then, of course, they do the Last Supper, and he says, this is my bread, the, my, my body, and the blood, and the whole representation of what's about to happen. And then Jesus says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. And I wonder if he's talking about not the communion, but as often as you meet around a table, remember me. Remember me. Remember me. Remember me around the table. Jesus even had a hard conversation and told him, someone here is about to betray me. Sometimes around the table, you need to have hard conversations. Ask your kids where their walk is in Jesus. Ask them why they don't believe in Jesus Christ. Tell them why they should. Have hard conversations with your children. Amen. I just felt led to throw that out there. we got to talk to our kids. Our kids are smart today, people of God. They're so much smarter. Than, they've been exposed to everything. Those devices. You can see anything on those devices. And they look at you and wonder, you look all cute worshiping God, but I got this video that calls my name at night. Oh, I'm just being real about it. I, see, that's the problem. We, ooh, no, that's real. Talk to your kids about that stuff. Talk about what they're letting in their eye gate, how they're affected, how it affects their spirit. 
Tell them that we're spiritual beings and that we can't let everything into our eyes and our ears. Right? How about this? Tell them your struggle with it. Oh, oh, ah. Uh, you know what? A lot of times our kids struggle. Well, no. Most of the time our kids struggle with what we struggled with. It's called iniquity of your forefathers. And it's, bro it's broken by the truth. I'm speaking to a parent right now. You need to have an honest conversation around a table that's non-threatening because you're eating some food. You don't have to go off on someone to talk to someone. You don't have to scream and yell to correct. The best way to talk to somebody is having a decent conversation and say, you know what? When I was 16, I was crazy like you. I did the same thing. I didn't know Jesus. I understand the feeling. I understand the struggle. But there's a better way. Amen. That was free. You're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome. I just felt spirit-led to say that. So here, the table, the table. The table is a place of provision. No matter where you are in your life, know that God is going to provide for you. You might be in a wilderness right now. Please know that God is not preparing, but God has already prepared a table for you. It's already done. He's not, he's not working on it. He's not getting it together. It's already waiting for you. You just got to get in that spiritual step and that strength to get to where the table is. That's why you can't quit your journey, woman of God. You're on your way to the table where the provision is set for you. It's already ready for you, and it will be released to you right when you need it. Can I get an amen? amen? The table is a place of blessing. God's not looking for perfection to bless us, people of God. We can't earn blessing. He just does it. Mephibosheth was lame in his feet. He had a handicap. He had a disability. All of us here have had handicaps and disability, yet God still blesses us. And we should be thankful to God that he does. That he can see our mess-ups and our mishaps, and he doesn't care about our limp. He still says, please, come. You are part of the table. I want to bless you at my table. The table is a place of connection. Jesus invited sinners to eat with him. Don't you ever think that you've done something or said something or did, or did anything too wrong for Jesus not to want to sit down and talk to you? He wants a relationship with you. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Stop telling yourself you're bad and you weren't good enough and you shouldn't have did it and you would have, could have and all that. Jesus is like, will you please have a seat? I have the table and the plate and the glass here. Sit down with me. Let me look at you and let's talk it out. Jesus sat with sinners before they were saved. He was okay with being with people that don't know him. He's okay. The table is a place of worship. Sitting down, talking about how you were dead in sin, how you were dead in trespasses, and you begin to worship God and thank God for all he's done for you, and he will absolutely show up. But I'll admit it to you all today, the table can be intimidating. It can be intimidating. I'm going to tell you a story. Pastor and I were invited to a dinner. It was a great dinner. It was a lot of important people there. And you have to understand, people may see me as important, but I don't see me as important because I sleep with me every day. <laughs> I know me. I know myself. Praise the Lord. Honored to be a pastor, but I've got all kinds of things going on in my life. So I don't see myself as high regard. Pastor doesn't see himself as some whatever people might think. So we walk in this room, and people are looking at us, and we're looking at them like, wow, we're glad to meet you. And, and we're feeling just kind of, you know, just glad to be there. And we kind of sit off in a table to the side where Pastor and I are very comfortable, and we're sitting there at the table, and we're just kind of hanging out and looking at all the dignitaries and all the special people in the room. And, you know, it's just kind of nice to kind of rub elbows with people, you know. We're just watching them. And, and so one of the ladies comes up to Pastor Steele and taps him on the shoulder and says, Pastor, you have a seat at the head table. 
and the head table was on the stage. And I'm like, oh, baby, yes, you go. I was so happy. I was so proud of him because, you know, I'm a good wife. I'm like, yes, honey, go to the table. I was like, I can take good pictures from here. You go do your thing. And he goes off to the table, and I'm sitting there very comfortable where I am, and I'm just, because my husband deserves it. My husband's a good man. I've walked the life out with Pastor Steele. The stories he tells y'all, I walked it out. It's, it's real. I love him. I love my husband. I love the God in my husband, okay? So he's up there, and, and probably like 30 minutes later, I get a tap on my shoulder. Um, um, uh, Pastor Kelly, you're supposed to be on the stage, on the stage at the head table. And I said, oh, you know, I'm good right here. You know, I really, I'm, this is a good spot, and I'm close to the bathroom. You know, I'm thinking all kinds of reasons. You know, this is really good. And they go, no, 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 they, they want you to come up here. And I'm like, you know, I don't want to be rude, but I really, you know, I, I didn't want to go, y'all. I didn't want to go. And so um, I eventually, because I'm, you know, obedient, because Pastor was doing this to me, you know. And <clears throat> so I walked. I walked down the long aisle, and I walked up this stage, and of course the whole time I'm thinking, Lord, please don't let me trip down these stairs, or up the stairs, because I could do that. And I'm walking, and I'm embarrassed, and I don't want people to look at me, and I feel like I'm not, I'm embarrassed. I don't want, you know, I feel like I'm late, number one. I'm not worthy. I'm like, gosh, they probably just felt bad because I wasn't up there. You know, probably they figured, oh, his wife should be here too. And I'm just feeling like, I don't want to be up there. And I'm just kind of walking really slow to my seat, and I'm embarrassed, and I just, I'm just, I'm sweating now, and, and I, I just didn't want to be up there. And then finally, I get to the seat by pastor and I look at the table and my name is on a card someone had predecided that I was supposed to be at the table and once I saw my name on the card I settled in I said okay I am supposed to be here and I believe there are people in this house right now that don't understand that God has already put your name on a card and he has set it on a table and he is waiting for you to come up down the hall stop being embarrassed of what you did and how you looked and the sin that you did or how you felt he's waiting for you to walk down this aisle walk up these stairs and sit at the table that God has prepared for you before the foundation of the earth he's saying son daughter please get in your rightful position take your place at the king's you belong to me. I belong to you. Your name has been written. Your name has been written. And Holy Spirit, right now I ask that you move in this place. For those men and women that you know are here that have condemned themselves and that have talked themselves out of the blessing of God. Father, I thank you right now, Lord, that you are going to allow them to feel welcome at your table. Father, I ask right now that you stir hearts up and you stir minds up. And God, that you press on them and say, no, I want you back. I need you back. I'm sad that you're gone. I want a relationship with you. I want to recline with you at the table and tell you how much I love you. I believe there's men and women here right now that have been feeling condemned and feeling put away and feeling not welcomed. And I'm telling you, Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're welcome. Your name's here. I never moved your card. You might have left the table, but the card is still here with your name on it. And that space is going to be empty until you come back to your rightful place. Come back to your rightful place. So if you're here today and you felt like me, that you were not worthy and were not welcome and you were embarrassed and you felt like your stomach was getting queasy and you are getting nervous, I dare you right now that all you need to do if you want to get saved or rededicated is raise your hand up.